podcast with an exclamation point. This week, my guest is Lawrence Schlossman. Now, this was one I was trying to make happen for a while now. Lawrence is the brand director of Grail.com, previously the editor-in-chief of Four Pins, and before that, we were business partners in a small venture called Run of the Mill. I would say in a lot of ways that Lawrence and I grew up together. We've been through the blogger movement, the Americana movement, the Italian menswear movement, all that choose-your-own-adventure style movement stuff. He's a good friend, and I'm privileged to share this conversation with you. All right, let's do it. All right, we're doing it. Sick. I'm with Lawrence, who's been mentioned on probably every single glamour yeah, I've done. It's a, it's a great honor to be here. I finally get to tell my side of the story <laughs> against all the slander and libel being hurled at me. Yeah, it's true. That last one, man, people were pissed. <laughs> I'm happy to be here, dude. Thank you for uh, letting me come on. Yeah, thank you. So I there's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot usual. to unpack. A lot of problematic shit to unpack right Some now. Some problematic. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on a on an interesting day. Yeah. Uh, we're in the post-Trump presidency world. Well, elect. almost. Yeah. yeah. President-elect. President-elect. Post-apocalyptic. Right. Scenario. Sure. D-Day. DEFCON 5. (laughs) It's rough. But uh, we're sitting in the Grailed office, which is where Thanks for coming through, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've been here before, but... It's it's a dope office. Um, But, yeah, the core thing is, and stuff I want to talk about, is kind of like walk through your entire sort of career. Yowzers. And in a bridge version. Yeah, of course. But I mean, I think because the other day, like a little segue, but kind of funny, is I had found this hard drive in my closet, and I was like, "Oh, cool! What's this hard drive doing here?" And I open it up, and there's a bunch of old photos on it, and it was the oh. first, like, <laughs> it was like the first uh, ROTM like photos that Moy took on his Nikon camera. Okay, is that when we were all hanging out in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that with, is with that Winston? From... You remember that dude? Yeah, yeah. Is that the uh, the same? Is that the same day that we like did that whole video that we never showed anyone because it was so bad? Is that a sep- you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I forgot about the video. Yeah, yeah, that was it. You know, it's funny. I didn't, who even has? It was your buddy who shot the video, Winston. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pitchfork guy. Shout out, Winston. Winston, what up? Uh, yeah. So I just remember. I think I only watched it like the one time when we were reviewing it, and then made like the group executive decision that like nobody could ever see it because it was so embarrassing. Yeah, I think we watched it like. To to catch you up, like Lawrence and I a while ago had started this company called Run of the Mill, and we were trying to figure out a way to debut like the clothes and stuff that we got. And we're like, oh, it's cool. We're gonna like model it ourselves yeah, because we're totally we're awesome dudes for sure. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> I you know it's so funny. I just have my memory is so bad, like uh, I, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of good shit that's happened in my life that I cannot even remotely recall. Um, but I don't even remember. So I'm thinking about that video, trying to picture it in my head, and I just like remember the one scene there's like a fountain and we're kind of like whatever <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're splash it's not like friends we're not splashing in it it's not that bad but we're like doing a weird menswear friends like type deal and uh and i just but i'm wondering if the rest of my memories of this are just like completely fabricated from just like it being so bad so i don't even know if i remember the real thing i just remember that like one vignette which um, is horrendous by the way i would say that that's there's that's about what happened yeah we'd shot this video and then we went and had like shot photos of us at like the high line and uh 
I'll, I'll show it to you. They're pretty funny. It was a really tumultuous time in, in hashtag. This is even like pre-hashtag menswear. This is just like you. I just remember that the, the idea, the decision making behind this was that you had gotten a test shot done by Jake Davis. Yeah. Which was actually fucking, I thought it was dope. Uh, and all of our friends thought it was dope. But when it went up on Jake Davis's blog, shout out Jake Davis and Respect. shout out test shots, which were awesome idea. Still fucking dope to go back and revisit. Yep. But anyone could like see your test shot. It's available somewhere on Vimeo or whatever. It's there. But it got <laughs> slandered. Well, it created this whole like weird divide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember us being like, okay, well, this thing is sick and amazing. And it got destroyed. Yeah. For whatever reasons. No, I so mean, we can't yeah. even remotely put ourselves out there in the way we wanted to. <laughs> Just got to. I don't even. And I guess whatever whatever launch strategy we came up with, it ultimately was still successful. Yeah. But yeah. this video, yeah, keep that shit in the vault. Well, good Locked news down. is, don't know where the video is, yeah. but I have a couple photos of us amazing trying to eat like Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> so, spot. That was a spot, man. Yeah, and that was that kind of like summed up like how we became friends, basically. Because yeah. I'll I'll start at the beginning. You and I met um in 2009 yeah i believe so ish uh when you were coming up here you john and i met uh at like the pre-capsule time uh this is like the moy podcast just like with me now it's, like, it's based it's, yeah, yeah but there's we're, yeah but for at least that, lawrence, at least for the origin story the lawrence story for yeah. sure and yeah like we were like oh let's do this company and we did it yeah but the company we can skip over because a lot of that stuff people know about or you can listen to on the Moy podcast but how the heck did you get from you were a guy who was working at an office wake forest grad yeah and i was working in charlotte living in charlotte living in charlotte yeah and then you just moved up here because you had gotten a job right yeah i got a so well i had uh it it was the job that i got i was lucky enough in the shitty economy that i graduated in in 2009 i was lucky enough to to get a job a pretty well-paying job yeah. Not the most exciting thing at all. Right. Uh, in fact, just like the most boring job, I guess, imaginable, at least at the time. Um, Here but, or the one you had? No, in Charlotte. So the whole thing was I was doing so badly at my job, um, underperforming across the board in all categories because I was completely shirking my actual job responsibilities to blog and travel to New York. And using vacation days to like go to trade shows and hang out with guys like you and Moy. And the blog you were doing at the time was sartorallyinclined.blogspot.com. Hi oh. Yeah. And you stayed. Did you stayed dot blogspot, right? You never I, well, domain I, named yeah, that I, shit. Yeah, I think I I don't even know if I renew, yeah, I might I but definitely bought the URL, but I'm like so not tech savvy and such just didn't a set it up. Fucking doofus. I, <laughs> can't, I didn't even like even if like the I don't even know if I set up like the forwarding like so that you would, you know, the, the URL would redirect to the dot blogspot URL so oh, I, I don't I, even know. Yeah. So no idea what was happening there, but no. So I was doing so bad at my job that I, I was going. So there was this period where I actually, I don't know if I've ever told this before, but I definitely thought I was going to get fired because I was basically clocking in, showing up to work, collecting my paycheck and just like blogging all day. <laughs> and, 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 uh, I was in this, like this management program. Um, so I was supposed to be like basically ch- more than anyone else really checking off all these boxes to like potentially become like future leadership in the company I was at. Okay. So I was completely bricking it, totally blowing it, didn't give a shit because I was living my best life. You know, I'm collecting a paycheck, I'm doing the bare minimum really, and then I'm also getting this menswear dream off the ground. You know, this is the first early stages of me being like, well, maybe there's an, an alternate future, you know, in, in this industry, you know, getting a career path there. It was still dubious at the time. I didn't know right. if I was going to be able to su- succeed, but I just went all in because I hated my current job so bad. So I was doing so poorly 
that I was at, I thought I was going to get fired or, you know, not laid off, fired, mind you, right? Big difference. Okay. And I somehow convinced my supervisor, supervisor, like this person that had come into town to like meet with me and like do some kind of like check-in. I, I guess I was, was quick enough on my feet to blame the, the lack of performance professionally on the fact that I was like, quote unquote, homesick. Because I never wanted to necessarily live in Charlotte, right? When I graduated, oh. I had some options of where, I, of where I could go. And Charlotte at the time was the best option versus like some other fucking nonsense, someplace that yeah. I would never want to live. So, again, I picked this lesser of, of evils type choice. Um, but anyway, so I tell my boss, I'm like, oh, you know, when I'm homesick. I want to go back up north. And they were going to transfer me. The, the solution was to put me in Philly, which then I was like, holy shit. I totally bungled this thing. I don't want to go from Charlotte to Philly. I was trying to go from Charlotte to nyc around you know the tri-state yeah. area anyway i was somehow again just lucky enough said the bullshitted the best i possibly could and got relocated to jersey so that was kind oh, of that's right so i so i moved from charlotte to new jersey and at that point i was like okay well now i'm in striking distance of new york city all the time yeah let's try to make this menswear thing happen and then that's kind of when I started going super hard, really networking and, and doing my best to kind of meet everyone I possibly could to, like, find that entry-level job. Just needed to get my foot in the door somewhere. And I was lucky enough to, to secure that um, not long after I moved back up there. So I'm very lucky that whatever I did convinced my superior superior to relocate. Because without <laughs> that, I, who knows? what if, if, if they were like... Nope, sorry, we don't have the money or we don't have the spot. We can't move. You got to stay in Charlotte for another six months, eight months, a year. Who right. knows what would have happened? So I'm lucky enough, blessed, hashtag blessed, <laughs> that I got my ass out of there quick. Well, that's the, it's funny that you'd mentioned lucky because you talk, you know, I think to everyone else that I've ever met that's in the menswear industry, people have said that, like, oh yeah, Lawrence, man, that guy, he's just, you know, he's always doing something. He's always you know, he's always on the cusp. He's always, you know, you're always making something happen. And I would, I don't think anyone of them ever said luck. And I'm not trying to butter you up here. Yeah, no, I no. Think I, yeah, you had, and what I wanted to well, call it's, out. It's is, not luck. It's like right place, right time. And no. being like an early adopter to certain things. Nope. Take I would, some foresight. No, okay. I would disagree with that. It's your work Okay, ethic. fine. I'm a genius. No, no, You're no. right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I would say your work ethic. And that, to me, because like, so every... The, the scene at this time, listeners, was there everyone's got a blog and right. everyone's trying to outblog each other and be on the way to scoop or whatever that is, right? Get that, that interview with McNary or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like the, the quote unquote scoop so, was. This just in. So I had a blog, Start with Typewriters. Shout out, Start with Typewriters. Rest in peace. Great Re- blog. Media, media Temple, you know, it's gone. But um, I would do, the average person would do what? A post a day? Yeah. And so how Probably. many how many posts a day would you do? Yeah, I mean at my peak we're looking at like 3. You know, See? again, again, I was sitting at a cube in Charlotte or in Jersey, depending on what exact exact time period we're kind of zooming in on, but like again, I treated it like someone it was, was paying me to do that. And clearly they weren't, and I, I obviously got myself in some hot water that I was able luckily enough to navigate through. So I'm not like necessarily advising someone to do like <laughs> some type of similar thing. Um, but yeah, I just went uh, as hard as possible. So the, the thing that I remember the most about that time, like emotionally speaking, was the floodgates opening once I was like, holy shit, this is what I love. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know if it's like a symptom. It's like a, a symptomatic of like of our generation or being a millennial. And, and I kind of see this in, in my younger brother and some of his friends now. But it's this idea of being young and like finding a passion. And I don't mean because there's a lot of kids that are like passionate about like the sp- sports in high school or you know maybe playing a musical instrument or being in a band or skateboarding whatever. But um, I was someone who like you know, I dabbled in a lot of stuff when I was young, but I didn't find that one thing I was like really into to the point where I was like, I want this, I want to make a professional life for myself, a career with this particular thing. So when I started blogging and, and talking about men's clothing to other people and it was just the best time, right? It was, I was like, where has this been all my life or, you know, how, how did I, how am I just finding this now? And it was still a very, this was early on of this even being a thing, but I was like, shit, I wish I had found this yesterday. That's how much I was into it. So for me, I just like leaned into it super hard. And I was one of those guys that once I realized that I was so passionate about it, that's when like the work ethic got like turned up to 11. And that's what we're talking about. Like blogging three times. Like that's insane now to think about that. Like I yeah. couldn't even, I don't know if I could even sit down and do that now, probably because I have so much fatigue of, of writing you know, so much so quickly, like, uh, you know, it probably in my mid to early 20 or my early to mid twenties. But, um, yeah, I just went as hard as possible because I was like just enjoying the shit out of myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, I, in my head thought I had the same work ethic, right? Like all these me and, and, and I'm just using myself as an example, just because we were, you know, we're like kind of peers at the time. Contemporaries. Yeah. There were other, there were other bloggers and stuff at the time. And I remember the, you know, the ongoing joke on, well, Twitter wasn't really around yet. I remember you got me to sign up for Twitter, but. Yeah, I even feel like I came to Twitter a little bit, a little bit late because I like resisted it because I thought it was so stupid and now I love it. Yo, we'll get into your, how sure. you became the Twitter god in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But like, I was like, man, how do I keep up with this guy Lawrence? You know, and everyone, you're, you just had obscene traffic, but a lot of it, again, it was because you were constantly working on it. So was there like. I mean, you, did you just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm, hey, I'm going to start a blog and do it? I mean, you said that. Yeah, like, for sure. A passion, yeah, that, but... that was it. I just I was just trying I was trying to find a way out of that current job and that current situation. Um, geographically speaking, professionally speaking, I just didn't like the place I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that was like weighing that was uh, at that time in my life. I was, you know, I was in like a new I, I went to school in North Carolina and I had friends in Charlotte after I graduated, but I still had you know for me it was I guess a little bit lonely it was something that I I had to kind of adjust to and I just really needed to find a way to like occupy myself so it really was like just one day it was like fuck it I'll just try this thing it wasn't like me like doing all these like example blogs and like running it by people like what do you think of it it was just (laughs) like what do you think of this name yeah what do you think of this fuck it I'm just gonna do it and see what happens so it definitely was like woke up one day whenever that day was and was just like today's the day we're gonna start it we're gonna do it we're gonna see how it goes we'll go from there so the work ethic kicks in. You go nuts. And I think this is when, you know, one of the things that I think you're really, really good at, and we'll talk about this more because we'll speed this kind of story along, yeah. is how you evangelize stuff. Um, so I, Interesting. <laughs> that, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. So one of the, the first thing, and we'll, we'll skip through some of this sure. just to save time, was Bean Boots. You yeah. would talk all about Bean Boots on Sardang. Yeah. And Bean Boots this and Bean Boots this. And, and 
Bean Boots were about to come back because it was like it was you it's know an resurgence wave for sure. yeah of Americana menswear. And then it wasn't anything like super revolutionary. I didn't like invent an idea. It was something that was already kind of happening. I just like leaned into it as hard as possible because I was like into it. You know. I mean, that's yeah. That's why I would definitely say evangelize because you had the idea, or excuse me, like you found it, but you championed this this yeah. this cause, this message, mm-hmm. and then it became basically the the gold medal of menswear. Uh, the double monk strap, which is worth nothing. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, all the double monk strap shoes that somehow made their way to resale sites later. But the double monk, which was like that, became the starter jacket to an extent. Yeah, it's like you're not cool unless you have double monks. Yeah, my, my thing, and and again, this is not like necessarily like a cognizant decision, but I, I'm the kind of guy that I find something I like, I find something that I'm into. And my focus, like, becomes laser-specific, right? And mm-hmm. it definitely, um, in those early blogging days, and that's the thing, like, those those focuses, they change, right? Mm-hmm. I've always been someone that enjoys, speaking in fashion, like, I enjoy trends. Like, I'm not I'm not one of these guys that, like, oh, what's the, the new thing? That's so stupid. I like the old thing. I'm, like, all about fucking finding new shit, testing it out, seeing if I like it, dipping my toe in the pool. I'm not resistant to change you know in that respect when it comes to trends in fashion so for me it's about finding like a singular voice and 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 just you know talking about what you really believe in and for me it happened to be these kind of like random footwear things but that's what it was i would just was like oh i really like this let's go in yeah and make it my thing and again it's not like a cognizant decision it's kind of this thing that for me and my, my personality and kind of the way i am and the way i write it just kind of kind of happens and it, and i i kind of fixate and focus on stuff and and yes uh we could we can now looking back we can judge maybe those trends some more dubious than others but well i mean you know. a trend the trend's a trend i yeah. mean it was successful they're fleeting by nature of course sure i don't regret any of that stuff either i wouldn't either yeah. i mean it was you you definitely like put yourself well, you know, there's always the like the people in our world it's like oh you you should see pics of me from 2011 uh I could like be self-deprecating and get like how I understand always trying to improve yourself, but I'm not like ashamed of that old stuff. I I might go back and read some of like my writing and be like, Oh, this was not amazing. (laughs) Not my best work now in retrospect, but I've, I've, I stand by, I stand by all my stuff. Yeah. Well, that's another thing you got to have. There's got to be a level of self-confidence and you have to have belief in what you're doing, right? Or you're especially in fashion or you'll never succeed, right? No one ever succeeded in this extremely kind of surface level industry by wavering kind of back and forth. Like you need a fucking Yeah, or crowdsourcing all of their Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we'll go back a little bit to the, the story here. So you get up here and you are a trans you know, you're back home in New Jersey working right. at this job and you finally crack crack the code and you get into fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh and you I think you were working at BPMW? Yeah, they they had a I was I was the guy who was known for like being the boots on the ground trade show blogger guy mm-hmm. posting up, hammering away full nerd status in like the middle of what, you know, could be described as like a party. Other people like hanging out, enjoying themselves, glad handing, whatever. And I did that stuff as well. But I was also the guy, I guess, that proved some level of like real, you know, nose to the grindstone work ethic. And again, we're not talking about 
some super important, you know, uh, community service or anything here. We're, we're just talking about writing about men's fashion. Um, but I was lucky enough, uh, you know, having that kind of profile and being like a young, hungry person, I was able to get finally get my foot in the door. And that was thanks to the great people, the great ladies, I should say, at BPMW for giving me an opportunity to kind of come in and be this kind of hybrid in-house blogger slash publicist slash quote unquote social media guy. And again, I didn't know a ton about a lot of that stuff, but I was like, absolutely sign me up. I'll take the pay cut. It's not a big deal. This is what I want to do. And, and that's kind of how I started my, my career in fashion, being a, a publicist with no experience in PR and being a social media editor with no real experience in social media and just seeing, and again, just being like, let's see where it goes. I, and, you know, having faith in yourself that you can do it. With right. a little, with a good amount of bullshitting in between, for sure. Right. I can't, yeah, because I think that. you're the only guy I know. Like, when, when John and I would hang out, and uh, us three, you know, musketeers, whatever, were roaming around, you were the only person I know who could party, but also work at the same time. What up? Superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, like, you know, we'd be out, and we'd go to some, you know, Joe Schmo's product unveiling, right. whatever, with free beers and cheap mini burgers. And we're all slamming little brewskis and burgers. And then the next morning, you have a post-up about it, yeah. and all this stuff is done. And we were like, oh, wh- when did he do that? Well, I just never took any of those, those opportunities for granted. And, and I will admit, I'm so much more jaded now. It's going to happen. It's like a natural thing. Sure. I will admit, I am not the most optimistic person. I will, I will never pretend to be someone I'm not. But at the time, trying to remember my mindset, I was just very thankful of those opportunities. And, and I, I really was not enjoying my life before that to the extent where this new opportunity was like, it was like a, a, the best gift I could have ever given myself or anyone could have given me. So I just didn't take anything for granted. And again, was just trying to do as much as possible at enough of a quality level that, you know, I was able to kind of cultivate and then maintain a certain profile as like the guy who knew the most, the guy who cared the most and the guy who worked the most. And I, not saying that I'm any one of those three and ever, but like, that's the thing I was, that's the person I was trying to become. Right. Well, it stuck, it stood out because next thing you know, you're friends with this creative director and this guy knows who you are. And then this writer knows who you are. And then, you know, Cara Monica becomes a fan of yours. And, and I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. And I will, I'll try to, to again, like make this the abridged right. Larry story, but you know, you worked through some other jobs. You continue climbing mm-hmm. the ladder, and then the opportunity of four pins right. comes along. Yeah. Uh, so Complex wanted to start like a high end menswear lifestyle site to just add to their impressive portfolio of sites they already had. Mm-hmm. And at the time, their big plan from the future, and I think this it has very much pivoted uh, since. But at the time, it was let's do a bunch of really cool owned and operated properties that are branded completely different from Complex but are still under our roof so we can bring in completely new people and then eventually maybe convert them also to like complex readers. So right. they had hired um, a mutual friend of ours um, to run the site and that person, I'm not going to say their name because that person then backed out and mm-hmm. decided to not do it. So there was this vacancy and I don't know how high up I was originally on this list, but the job was filled, then it was open and I was lucky enough to kind of find myself in a meeting with the people at complex and they kind of ran me through their whole vision. And at that point I had written a book and I had worked for some pretty big successful companies and ran a successful Tumblr and blog. So, you know, I had the pedigree to an extent, maybe not the experience, you know, but I had, again, not the quantity of experience, but the quality. 
And you've shown that you've you've accomplished things. You, you've, yeah, you've taken something from nothing. And yeah, made I mean, it into yo, something. being a published author, I think, helps a lot. If you're trying to be like an editor or be yeah. a writer, being like, oh yeah, my book is an Urban Outfitters. That's always a good look. That's yeah. definitely a feather in your cap. So that um, book being fuck yeah, men's work. Yes, that book being shout out to Kevin Burroughs, my co-author. Respect, on that. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, you gotta get Kevin on the pod. That would be fucking lit. I'm trying, man. He's a I, busy guy. Also, because I just want to hear about how he wrote fuck yeah, men's work because it's I blacked out the whole time. And I have no <laughs> idea. I just like oh, there's a book now from when we signed the deal to. Um, but uh, yeah, so I so uh, when I was hired, the vision of Fourpence was going to be this completely different thing that it ultimately ended up becoming, and now no longer exists. But it was going to be this like crazy, not crazy. It was going to be super high end, super luxe, as magazine-y as a website can be, and and mm-hmm. you know, I guess the term I could use is very glossy, right? Very inventory, high, very high end. Yeah, I mean, probably less typos than <laughs> inventory, but um, yeah. Uh, and and it was one of those things where I was like, I yes-manned my way through all that. I was like, yeah, sure, totally. Yeah. And I remember I take the job, and I remember having a conversation uh, with my girlfriend, Jenna, being like, I don't know if I can do this. And I already accepted the job. It's probably like a thing you would want to think about before you accept the job. Classic Lawrence. But right yeah, there. yeah. So I already accepted it. Yeah. So I, I, felt, <laughs> I felt a little – I just remember feeling in over my head – but being like, well, it's too late. Let's just do the trial by fire thing and see how it goes. And almost immediately when I started working on it, I was like, okay, well, it's not going to be this thing that they wanted. It's going to be me. And right. it's going to be an extension of kind of what Kevin and I were doing with Fuck Yeah Menswear and people clearly that resonated with a lot of people. Not necessarily in book sales, but but <laughs> the vibe, it seemed to to be capturing The vibe being a moment. Of, of basically not taking yourself so seriously and look at how ridiculous we're if, trying if to If you become. love something, shit all over it because <laughs> it's going to be super fun. Yeah, it was, it was this weird, it was this weird tongue-in-cheek, you know, you know, thumbing your nose at, at, at the proper establishment and just, listen, I, I think that for a long time there were a lot of straight guys into fashion and I don't know if they thought they had a voice or they wanted a voice or whatever but I think I was able to from the blogging days to the Tumblr days to the book writing days and then up to Fourpence I think we were able to channel that that kind of guy and and give him like the ideal outlet um, that unfortunately up to that point uh didn't exist so yeah i mean and then once i was uh on board and we were building this site i just was like okay this is a cool opportunity to like pay some of my friends to to help out and right. and, and, Q kind and of, Moy. yeah of course q mm-hmm. and moy and q and a, a lot of a, a lot of kind of familiar faces and names and that's awesome i mean the opportunity to work and collaborate with your friends and then be able to pay them is like i mean that's that's one of probably the the that's some of the most fun i've had professionally speaking where were those early days building four pins. And then once we got the kind of the, the wheels, you know, going on with the wheels turning and yeah. it became this, it was being fleshed out, like just some of the stuff we created over there. So that was like super, super fun. But yeah, it was, it ended up almost completely out the gate, totally different from what the, the initial, what, what was pitched to me. Um, but complex, you know, shout out to them. They were cool. They saw that we had a weird cult thing going and never really tried to change it uh too much uh, and even if there was some recommendations and changes that were floated by me they were never about the voice and the point of view yeah. that was something that i was lucky enough to uh, uh from the day we launched to the day um that i left and then ultimately the site shut down i don't think that that was something that was always there and always in the dna of the, of the site and the product which was which is awesome right and four pins you know would have articles about this new product this is kind of crazy this is expensive or this is really cool but you also 
you know, you guys publish some pretty good journalism pieces. Yeah, I mean, my my thing is, uh, well, you know, I wouldn't some some journalism, quote unquote, a lot of like really, I thought like great op eds. My thing was that like I was friends, I am friends with a lot of cool people that have a lot of strong opinions that have an awesome point of view, and it's like, why are those people not getting published? And if they are getting published, why are they not getting paid? Why are they doing it pro bono just right. for like a byline? Fuck that. Let's let's let them say whatever they want with no filter, with you know marginal top editing from someone like myself. And let's pay them and let's publish this shit and get it in front of as many people as possible and just let these voices be heard. And again, I don't want it to sound like this, you know, currently, as you can see in this country, there's way bigger problems. But at the time, it did feel like a cool, grandiose thing. And I felt like I was, uh, you know, fulfilling some like cool mission statement within myself. Uh, so it was dope. I, it was uh, I don't regret a single single moment, you know, working on that site. It was it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, from the Shinola piece to then. Also, you know, I think one of the, the greatest pieces is uh, the Glenn O'Brien post. Oh, I mean, yeah. Post GQ. Caught a lot of flack from that and uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that, uh, that I consider uh, both professional and personal colleagues. But, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, in that, in that situation, Glenn wanted to get his side of the story out. And then it's funny, I just kind of shat on the, the quote unquote journalism aspects of Fourpins. But like, that was the thing. It's like, tell, you know, that's, it's fair to Glenn to let him tell his side of the story. So that was, uh, and that was, you know, that was later in the site. That, that was yeah, one of those, that was, much later. that was one of those things where, you know, the, the issue with Fourpins, and I guess people always wonder like why it shut down because like for the, again, the few people, not a ton of people read it, but the, the few people that did read it, it was very beloved to them and very near and dear to their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was moments like that, publishing that and having that. And it's not so much about like the having that exclusive than seeing chart beat, you know, it see the stats come in. It wasn't about like going viral. It was about like, yo, this is a fucking really interesting interview with a really interesting guy about a really interesting thing that's happening. So like, that's awesome that we got to publish that. So I was always really proud of that work, even if it was we did less of that and more of like hood riches, the new Americana or like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like whatever crazy headlines. Yeah, I mean, Cause the, another thing that was, was that you had let Moy write, or I don't know if you guided him to what, but um, you know, when he talks about like battling depression and yeah. stuff like that, I mean, and that, I don't know. I think what was cool is like four pins became this, this outlet of like young millennial guys whom are into clothes. Uh, they're trying to figure out if it's okay, but also in a lot of ways you like four pins served as this way to validate like yes it's okay to like clothes yes it's okay to be into this stuff and also here's how silly it is yeah i mean my thing uh my entire career and i've always thought about like what do we talk about when we're talking about men's clothing and men's fashion like there's a lot of other stuff that plays into it uh hip-hop and people's you know personal lives and emotions come to play and all this stuff so we're not just only talking about shirts shoes and pants right there's a lot of other stuff that is in that kind of like whatever you think of like a word cloud, like maybe menswear is in the center and is the focus. What about all these other things that we talk about when we talk about men's fashion? So, and that was, I've always just want, I never wanted to, you know, sideline that stuff. So mm-hmm. at Fourpence, there was a, you know, a post about soldier boy is next to a post about, you know, a beautiful Shishiko coat from Japan that cost $2,000. That's next to an op-ed completely destroying and ripping apart Shinola. That's <laughs> that's next to, you know, an op-ed about, you know, depression. I think all of these things can live together. Oh, yeah. And and also influence each other more than anything, right? There was right. there was no real and nothing was necessarily right off limits at Four Pins and uh, I think all of the stuff we published 
was um, in, insightful in its own way and uh, was important to our audience. Again, no matter how big or small that audience was, I think they really appreciated all that stuff living in one place. My thing that I always thought about was like, if there was the one site I could go to to kind of like get all of my interests, what would that look like? And that's what we tried to make four pins. Right. And then you straight freaking Ricky Gervais yourself and let <laughs> it get to the very top and then just leave. Well, I wouldn't say the very top. It was just one of those things where, you know, people come to a crossroads um, all the time in their professional life at, at various ages. And I was at a crossroads at that point and there, you know, the site maybe wasn't, you know, again, the site had a lot of hype around it and we got a lot of press and a lot of people talked about it. And it was, I think, very important to the industry. But again, it wasn't doing like hype beast numbers. And I think Complex couldn't figure out why, because it was apparently this great website. Why are millions upon millions of people not reading it? And maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I didn't do enough as the editor-in-chief to like reach out to, to get, you know, new readers. Or maybe the site ultimately was too niche. So, you know what, at the end of the day, I graciously you know stepped away and found another there was another thing and, and it was fine it wasn't like anything you know acrimonious or whatever it was just i needed to do something else but in the meantime you also had developed this other personality and this is one of the last things i want to talk to you about because this is where you <laughs> currently still live i guess and so. that is in the form of 140 characters yeah i mean for me it's uh i love twitter because it's just fun i mean for, i think uh in the early days i when i joined twitter i used twitter as a full extension uh, as like a as like a, a social media arm of the blog to promote my work, yeah, and, to promote starting, yeah, to promote Sartorially Inclined and promote the book and promote the Tumblr and tweeted a lot about men's fashion and put a lot of opinions there. Um, when I started getting the fatigue uh, from writing so much kind of long form blog posts and stuff, I kind of like started. It, it felt easier for me to get certain thoughts out there, obviously because you know you can do it quicker and a little more off the cuff, and it can be less polished. And then I guess eventually I got, I guess you could say, burned out. Once you, you know, once we're, I was running four pins and I'm top editing, you know, ten articles a day, and it's all about fashion. The Twitter, my Twitter, uh, and Twitter in general for me became like this outlet to just kind of you know, exercise other parts of my brain, things that I'm interested in, which mainly is like stupid comedy <laughs> and, and just, um, and that, and then I just took that and ran with it. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's like when I was a menswear Twitter guy, like I was not that popping on Twitter. And then when I suddenly was just like a Twitter guy in general, that's when I got popping. So <laughs> clearly people don't give a shit about men's fashion, no matter what the media tries to tell you. No. Um, yeah. So I just, it was always just, um, creative outlet. And then it's still to this day is like my favorite social media. So like where by far, because even then there's been so many times that I would consider myself look like I'm, I'm an older guy. I'm 31. I mean, all of us are getting older now, but like I, I consider myself in the know. Right. You know, like I, sure. I feel like I know what stuff's going on and you're cool. There's, <laughs> there's so many times I read your freaking Twitter timeline and I have to look up <laughs> like 10 or 15 different things. Like, I didn't know. I'm a cool teen at heart, dude. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> this was like. Skew Young. It's my demo. This Those was my like people. a few years ago. I had to look up SMH, which I learned was shaking my head. All this dumb stuff. I'm literally stuff. shaking my head right now. Well, you know. now, now I know what that shit is. But like. Got to throw an F in there, too. For <laughs> emphasis. <laughs> but like now, you know, so like where where did all, like, where did you learn uh, the just, meme? Just, just being influenced by other people that I was following that I thought were awesome. I mean, obviously, like, if you don't you know, 
follow like i don't i get okay this is gonna sound crazy i know that people use twitter as like this amazing like news feed to mm-hmm. keep up with the world uh for me i almost use it for, i use it as straight escapism you know i almost interesting only wanna follow people that tweet complete nonsense no i don't i don't i don't know if it's pure escapism totally because like obviously twitter is very useful to kind of keep up with the news and sports and right you know music and all these other things that are obviously interesting to me and, and play a huge role in in kind of like my media diet and stuff that i'm interested in but yeah i just you know i i love to laugh like most people right and i love a certain type of like I guess, weird comedy. Um, Some might call it juvenile. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I just kind of used Twitter as this kind of entertainment feed. And I guess a lot of this kind of stuff rubbed off on me as as most as that tends to happen with people and their influences, right? They rub off slowly but surely. Right. And suddenly, yeah, now I just have a garbage Twitter account. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) no. Meaning like garbage humor Twitter account. Not like it's I would think the quality is pretty good. It's very good. It's really funny people by the way you're you verified know. that's right follow me at sartorily inc <laughs> <laughs> the best part is again true to the roots lawrence fossman style you're still sart inc yeah i regret that name i've talked about this a bunch but it's a complete ripoff of the sartorialist because i just was like oh that's like what i should be i should be that guy i should just be scott schumann so i like just steal not that i can be a photographer but i'm like oh that's the guy in regards to how like, he manages his brand yeah for sure uh, and this is also what uh, seven years ago or almost eight years ago now. So obviously right. uh, he was at a different place back then than he is now. Um, no shots. No, no shots. What up? What up? Scott? No, no, no shots. Actually, Scott's like the one dude like I've never like really met. Well, I've met him, but like he doesn't know who I am. Could never break through. He's too good for me. Water trash. I think he's over just here a busy guy. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I've met him once. Fuck whatever. that guy. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, yo, know, I just regret the name, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to change. I'm like not. Who cares? I almost love that the kind of people that probably like followed me today, like whatever, those 10 people or whatever, that to them, it's just like means nothing. I love that, right? Most people, nobody uses the word sartorial, sartorial, excuse me. I can't even pronounce it. That's how fucking completely um, non-essential it is. But yeah, so for me, I just love now that it's like this weird, stupid, almost anonymous thing that means nothing in respects to the kind of current quote unquote Twitter content I put out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a ridiculous conversation, by the way. No, it's not. It's, uh, the funny <laughs> I feel thing ridiculous is like, talking about At it, least but. for me, this is a bunch of stuff that I've always wanted to ask you. And I'm like, oh, I'll just save it for the pod because Smart man. I think a lot of people want to know how the hell. The, you know, you make jokes of like, oh, the failing upwards and whatever. But yeah, like, that's my whole thing. How did how did all of this happen? And it, at least to me, it sounds like at the end of the day, well, you worked really hard, but you're also like, a smart and funny guy and this really does i really sound like i'm james liptoning this entire interview by just it. like so good <laughs> we do a podcast every day so you can just butter me up just pop me in the oven i am buttered right now let's go no i'm yeah dude i don't i don't uh, i i do think um <laughs> there is a healthy amount of bullshit in the little cocktail that is like the various personality traits that i feel like i've utilized to get to this point but yeah I, I would never completely dismiss any success i ever had as a complete fluke or like we were saying before luck or the whole failing upwards thing is is obviously like now it's been like this branded joke because of the podcast that That's is now right. called failing upwards which which please, plug check it out please guys 
I'm hilarious, right? You want to listen to that shit for sure. <laughs> also, I wonder if any well, I wonder how much crossover we have between our podcasts. Maybe a lot, maybe not a lot. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I only like five people listen to my shit. So what do you have? Like how many people listen to this? There's there's five also. So maybe somewhere yeah. maybe we'll get one or two new listeners each. Um, you got that Reddick bump. That's about it. Oh right. Yeah, the Reddick bump. I met his sister. <laughs> oh, Cars wise, because we went, yeah, because we went out to dinner, and this is now we're getting too personal. No one cares about this now. Um, well, shout out Dave, yeah, shout out, shout Dave out Katie, Kai. and shout out JJ, yeah, um, great people. Um, yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I, I like listen, man, I'm not like in the business of giving like career advice, uh, you know, and I'm never gonna filter what I say to like tell people what they want to hear. Like, I still think a lot of success comes from being an early adopter and being kind of right place, right time to an extent. But yeah, you absolutely have to work hard. And um, I think in fashion and for anyone out there that, you know, kind of looks at you and I and and what we do and sees a potential career for themselves there and would maybe like to do that. You know, I think that taste level is super important and that's not something that you can just like learn, you know, that's something that is a little bit innate and, and, or at least it's not learned overnight and takes like a long time. And you really have to kind of become a student of this whole world. Um, so I'm never going to deny that and just completely tell people that they could completely fuck up and just end up in a, you know, enviable position. But you know, yeah, a lot of it is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That kind of sums it up. So there's last few things I want to ask you sure. because this is fashion based and you are the fashion guy. Yeah. What are just like hit me with a couple brands that you're that you're into right now? And there's no list; you don't have to do any st- shit like that. But just like, what do you what have you been feeling right now? Because obviously, you and I, even though I am wearing a sport coat right now, like this, when it's not really like cool Italian all menswear. That's like the king of the game now, right? It's it's no, there's it's, definitely more streetwear. Yeah, it's like a, I mean, listen, man, fashion already fetishizes the shit out of youth. So yeah. now that all these like it's like this amazing trend storm where everything is connected to youth from skateboarding and hip hop and all this stuff where suddenly hardcore like, now too. Like, pff, who even, well, I don't know. I think that are people are fashion people really into hardcore. Yeah. I don't, I think yeah, that's, I'm one, sure of the, they that's one of those, like, that's one of those, like, of those like the NBA is so stylish. <laughs> hardcore is fat. Like, come on guy. You're not fooling anybody. Everyone knows that's fucking nonsense. Yeah. You're just trying to sell some ads. Um, uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, definitely the whole Italian movement that we kind of, definitely were on we were at ground zero for has definitely it's not she gone yeah that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah shit is a wrap no um yeah that dave Chappelle hit the wrap it up button on that uh quite a while ago yeah i think things are skewing super young um i don't know man i i find myself uh fashion is obviously what i do what's the last thing you bought for yourself um or that you got hater ackerman sweats dope i love i mean i'm i'm an unabashed you know, cozy boy. No, Kanye Stan. Like, so if Kanye's going to put something on, I'm going to be like, oh, let me check this out and let me, uh, let me see what's happening here. If God is going to endorse it, something good must be kind of happening behind the scenes. No, yeah. So I, you know, I, I like Hater a lot. I think he's he's fucking dope. You know, I, I I love Supreme, love sneakers, love Nike, love Jordans. Um, you came of, to brush. You brushed greatness not too long ago, didn't you? Uh, me and Kanye? Spe- no, 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 no. We're no, that never happened. Unfortunately, well, I, I mean, I have in the past, not like recently, and not like on a level of like sitting down and like talking with him for an extended period of time. If that's what you're implying, I think you have your facts wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought the, the TMZ, cool, the cool TMZ shop. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was in a, that <laughs> was in I'm a, like, oh crap. 
Oh no. Yeah. That was an amazing story. That's actually a funny story. Um, we were lucky enough at Grailed to have an opportunity to bring Which some, is where you currently work. Yes, as the brand director. we, uh, Myself and Jacob Metzger, who is our director of marketing, we had a cool, interesting opportunity that kind of about a, a year ago now that kind of just kind of materialized out of nowhere where we got the opportunity to bring a bunch of archive pieces, mainly Raph Simmons and Helmut Lang, down to Kanye's, uh, it was like a his studio for the time being as he prepared the Yeezy season. What was the one that he did at MSG? Was that three? Yeezy season three, two? I don't remember. I think it was three. Well, either way, Whatever. it was It was in the lead up to that. It, we were lucky enough that the studio was like right down the block. So mm-hmm. we uh, brought a bunch of stuff over there and were waiting um, to meet Kanye and signed all these non-disclosure agreements because what was happening there was like he was doing the fittings, you know, and everything. Right. It was all happening and it was mayhem. It was crazy. This might have been the day no then this is this like, was a, this, this is like the, the night, night before, before. Yeah. yeah and um he freaked out and had like you know i think people give kanye a bet this whole idea of like wait wait till you see kanye's rant like you know i hate that kind of like right the, how the media portrays him like that but he did have a fucking <laughs> he did have a meltdown while we were there um and uh, we were we were then told to like maybe you should leave and come back when things are more chill so that you could get some FaceTime with him and kind of walk him through these pieces that you brought through. So that was about five. We left and then we're waiting, we're waiting. And at some point around like nine o'clock or something, we were told to come back. So we come back, things are way more chill. And myself and Jake are like hanging out in this side room where our rack is. And we have like everything all like laid out really cool. And like we're waiting on yay. And we ended up uh, hanging with ASAP Rocky uh, which was dope because he's a super nice guy, super pro. Like this is, I've met, a, I've been lucky enough to meet a few rappers in, in my time. And some of these guys are so perfectly media trained because I don't know if it's because they never know who they're going to meet but, or who anybody is because right. um, I guess like for me, at least I'm some like generic white guy, but like who knows, like I could be someone important, um, which I'm obviously not, but he was super cool. So we hung out with him and we're just waiting for Kanye because we keep being like, okay, he's going to get to you guys. He's going to get to you guys. So we're hanging out in this side room, and we're just chilling. And we're like, "Oh, that was cool. We made it. We met ASAP Rocky. Hung out with him for a little bit. And we're waiting. We're waiting. And then in walks Kanye. Right. And the thing with Kanye is, I don't know if this has been reported in the media. I think it has, but he's always filming everything. Right. So he's just at a fitting. He's like doing like living his life, doing his job. He's got a videographer there. I think he films anything that the has VHS to do with, guy. Right? Yeah. Or well, I don't even know if it looked like a kind of a. Yeah, I guess it looked kind of vintage, the camera. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I'm not a tech. Listen, I don't know anything about technology, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, could have been a Walkman for all I know. No, so so that he's so he walks in and the filmer guy follows him and we're just like on, clearly like on camera, just be like, uh, like we didn't even know what the fuck to say. And he just looks at us and then like completely just walked out of the room like, okay, I clearly don't need to be in that room because those guys are in that room. Like they're wired. This is not somewhere that Kanye needs to be. And that was, that was, and then we ended up uh, leaving and uh, you know, his staff was very appreciative that we brought the stuff through. I don't want to say like he was, he's some ungrateful guy. He was clearly super busy and yeah. had been frazzled earlier. And I can only imagine how hectic that guy's life is. Um, but yeah, when we left, we happened to leave at the exact time that Kanye and Rocky um, and Ian Connor were going to some like dinner, right? Like some cool guy dinner, in, cool guy like dinner. getting into a Mercedes, right? They're all riding together. And we like walked out behind them 
and yeah, we were on TMZ because then we were we were finishing up our conversation with Rocky about him, you know, coming and hanging out at Grails or just seeing the archive. You know, was trying to sell him as best as we could as some like nerdy dudes that you should hang with us. Yeah, and yeah, we were on TMZ, we were on fucking TMZ, which was uh, hilarious and and kind of. Uh, definitely a highlight for me even though like no i did kanye said no like zero words to us and we said zero words to kanye i can't even imagine what our what our expressions even looked like because we were just like whoa, like, whoa. and then he bounced yeah, immediately yeah. He's just <laughs> and like, we're on mm. we're on some internal video that like maybe one day will be released as part of some amazing epic documentary and we'll just be looking like fucking clowns in the background but <laughs> that's that's what happened that was it that was the extent of it nothing crazy Oh, that's that's a pretty dope story, though. That's yeah, good. it was it was fucking awesome. Um, but no, there wasn't some like amazing sage kind of advice session, though. Um, that's something that I definitely look forward to at some point. And I think after that, then I'm then I'm, I, I can just die. I can die happy. That's Give it, it time. We're that's still young. Yeah. It could happen. Cool. That pretty much sums things up. Uh, is there any other stuff you want to plug or mention that I didn't ask? Uh, no, I would just love if people listen to my podcast too. Oh, we'll plug the hell out of it, please. And people. it is called. Failing Upwards. So Failing Upwards. It's me and James Harris, uh, who was my fellow fashion bro. When yep. we were at Complex, we had our little web series. Rest in peace to that. Just another thing that I've touched that died. But there eventually. was so much stuff. Honestly, I mean, because I'm I, there was so much stuff I wanted to mention and talk to you about on this. And I was do like, part two. Like I said, man, as yeah. long as you're just going to be throwing compliments my way, we'll just we'll do as many <laughs> yeah, of these well, as you fucking want, dude. I know it took a while to get to this point, but like, listen, I am now that I know how it's going to go. And yeah. you're just going to make me feel good about myself, especially in this very tough time, this time in America. Yeah, wait for the next time. Yeah, then you can be super mean. Yeah. I don't think you have a mean bone in your body, to be honest. That's why I loved when me, you, and Moy had our like, little fucking triumvirate going on. It was the best because I was like, oh, I get to be like the negative guy. I can be the <laughs> asshole, and then these two guys are just going to lift me up by association and make me feel great about myself. This is awesome. I get to do everything. It was great. It was a good time. It was a fun time. Rest in peace, ROTM. Yep. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, man. No prob, dude. Thanks for having me. All right. Good. See ya. Peace. You've been listening to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. Thanks to my guest, Lawrence, for stopping in, and I'll definitely get him to come back on another time. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast, or send me an email at blamopodcast.com. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week.